Collaborative Journal, where I spotlight the stories of how people are collectivizing to meet their needs locally and globally beyond the extractive economic system. Okiono Birth Foundation offers free personalized meals and group mental health support for low-income BIPOC families during the first six weeks after their baby is born. They collaborate with chefs and the Therapist of Color Collective to provide care in Colorado, Maryland, and Texas. While their free services are currently limited, they are developing an app for a nationwide support network. In this episode, I speak with founder Jacqueline Clemens about how they are prioritizing the mental health and overall well-being of BIPOC newborns and their parents. She shares their offerings for holistic and culturally relevant care, food as the foundation for well-being, Black maternal health disparities and how they are combating that through their partnership with Earth App which I personally love because it honors the voices of black and brown women by giving them a platform to review prenatal, birthing, postpartum, and pediatric care received from doctors and hospitals. We also talk about the negative effects lack of care has on child development, and stay tuned until the end as we go on a multi-sensory journey into the future of Okiono Birth Centers. Hi, Jacqueline. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to learn about Okiyonu Birth Foundation. Um, I found out about it through Open Collective Foundation, which I'm one of the artist organizers for um, this phase of like uplifting the collectives on their platform and... um, And a lot of them align with the solidarity economy, which is what I try to spotlight on this podcast. And so I'm so grateful to be able to like weave both of those networks of um, the people I interview on the podcast and uh, the, the collectives that are really like on the ground creating this economy that we all dream about. So, um, can you explain what Okiono Birth Foundation is and what inspired its development? Absolutely. Um, Okiono Birth Foundation is an extension of the birth work that I've been doing uh, over the last 20 years or so. I got into birth work super organically um, through a friend, very young, one of the first one out of our friend group to have a child. And over the years, it's really just developed into expanding into larger community um, support. Eventually, um, probably about 10 years ago, I started really like with the birth-based business and kind of pursuing it as a actual career. But Akionu Birth Foundation was from all of my up close and personal observations in my time with those families, right? So you're in community, you're in the trenches, and then you start to see these patterns. And you start to see these patterns that reveal um, what's working, (laughs) what's not working. And so what I began to see that's consistently not working was lack of mental health support and access as well as lack of meal support and access. And so when you have a baby, you are so vulnerable. The entire family is vulnerable. Um, Both partners, if there's, you know, if they're together, but I mean, it's incredible what happens in that time frame. And as you begin to research, you begin to see that within that first year of having a child, that's like one of the most pivotal times where people are separating, they're getting divorced, like hormones are everywhere. It is just such a vulnerable and important time for any family, right? So then I'm like, okay, we're missing something here. <laughs> we need more support than we have. And our communities are not in place the way that they used to be. We used to live you know, communally. We used to have more involvement with our um, extended family. 
But with the rise of the nuclear family and I'm going to do me, individualism and all of this, we've seen certain structures um, suffer tremendously. One of those areas, obviously, especially for families of color, is mental health. Another area um, is meals. You know, I, I really believe, especially with uh, people of color, we're very communal. We communicate largely also with food, food and time. And so when we're not spending that time and we're not breaking bread together, we're watching um, the mental health impacts of that in our community. And so I decided to found Akiyoni Birth Foundation to stand in the gap, particularly for families of color that have just given birth, postpartum families of color. But it really is um, something I think that is important for everyone to do, but the foundation was formed specifically to address uh, postpartum families of color and supporting them with mental health and meal support. Mm. Yeah, your background is something I would love for you to go deeper into too, because that is like the foundation of why you're doing this for communities of color and also your own personal experience of going through the birthing process and postpartum and uh, and the families that you've worked with through your own um, doula work and other supportive work that you do and care. Yeah, I am... Lord have mercy. I am a free spirit, honey. Always have been, <laughs> likely always will be. I have had um, so many interesting and and a, quite a variety of experiences. And so um, as I was sharing before, um, I'm an artist. I'm a mama. I'm a birth worker. Um, I love to explore. I love to study people. I love to understand the inner workings of a thing. And so literally I've that's what I've done my whole life. I'm, I'm very observant. Um, I'm very curious and I'm very free. Like I'll just wander around and just meet people and ask them questions and have these conversations. Strangers are always coming up to me and sharing their life stories. And so that's literally just who I am. <laughs> and what, how that's helped me on my path is that, you know, in artistry, especially um, music, right? So I, paint, I work with metal, wood, anything that I feel like expressing myself, but particularly with music, when you start to, to understand the tones and the impact on energy and how people are moved when you're on the stage and you're watching people be impacted in the audience by the music that you're singing or performing, you begin to understand that connections aren't just like, oh, I'm talking to you, I'm connecting with you. Connections are energetic. Connections are unseen and seen. And so combining this with uh, attending birth, there's also a lot of unseen moments that take place. There's a lot of unseen support as a birth worker that I provide. People are like, what do you do? You're, just, you're squeezing hips and you're doing some acupressure. Like, is that what you do? And it's like, mm. there's also a, a depth of spiritual holding space that takes place there that you cannot quantify, that you cannot see. And it's the same space that I witnessed um, as a musician on the stage and the connection with music cannot be quantified, cannot be seen. It is a very deep, soulful um, exchange that takes place. And I've seen it over and over and over and over again at the births that I've attended. I've seen it over and over and over again from the stages that I've performed on. I've seen it over and over and over again in my own birth experiences. So I'm a mom of three. I've had three very different birth experiences. I have two daughters and a son. And even my postpartum seasons, they were all very, very different. And when I think about like, what does support feel, feel like? You know, I've played a CD of a particular type of music and felt completely and utterly supported and loved literally just by the music, right? I don't know if you've had an experience like that where you just like, you feel just wrapped and enveloped. You're like, oh yes, no person was there. <laughs> just me and this music. And so 
when I started to to look at the perspectives of my birth experiences and my postpartum experiences, outside of it being connected to anyone else, a lot of it was really tied to where I was mentally, what my mental capacity was, how I felt supported or unsupported in those moments. And that really was super key to me in terms of highlighting like what is actually important in this moment. And so when you think about the importance of honoring a person and just believing them and listening to them throughout their birth experience, those types of simple actions can lead a person to, to feel supported in their postpartum because they've been honored, right? So then now they have a different capacity. They're starting from a different place in terms of how they're processing and experiencing their postpartum experience and season. So then I'm like, okay, we're approaching that on the, on the doula side in terms of birth support, but then what actually makes someone feel supported and whole postpartum? Well, if you don't have to beg and, and scrounge and figure out how you're gonna eat, you feel honored because why? Food is a basic human need. So if your basic human needs are taken care of, you feel honored as a baseline and you're able to handle some other things, maybe some sleepless nights, maybe <laughs> some, some feeding challenges, whatever it is, because your base level needs are honored as a human being, right? And so all of my experiences personally, professionally, artistically, even spiritually, have contributed to the formation of Akionu Birth Foundation. They've contributed to my personal evolution and growth as a person. Um, I don't really believe in compartmentalization. I think our society is really like big on it. Like, yeah, this is over here and that's over there. Um, on my journey, and this is just for me, nothing is unrelated. Nothing is unrelated, but we have core components of what we need. And we need to have our basic needs met. We need to be heard. We need to be honored and we need to be supported. And because our, our current culture is not set up in a way where we have access to those communal spaces as we used to, you're now finding organizations like my own. Um, we're also releasing an app in the next or 30 days or so. You're finding technology and organizations filling in the gaps of community because that, that community environment is so broken down. And so it'd be nice to say, we don't need any of this. This is just how it should be. But the fact of the matter is, is it's not. And so there's organizations like mine um, and apps like mine that are developed to actually provide community and reconnect people to the community that they need. And so, you know, it is what it is. But again, every single aspect of all of my, my pain, my trauma, my joys, my loves, like all of those things go into the development and what I'm putting into anything that I produce, any of my writings, <laughs> any of my companies, like all of it, you're getting all of me and my experiences. And hopefully that um, there's a greater reach because hopefully more people are able to relate or understand what those needs are and how they can be, you know, of support, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. And it also makes me think of how, like, when you have all of your basic needs met, then you're allowed to be like your full creative self. Because like going through a birthing process, that's like, the foundation of creation like so much energy is being um depleted from your body and so if you're not if you're if your needs are not being fulfilled right after that then the drainage just like it keeps going and so and so to be in reciprocity with other people that are caring for you like that's also filling their cup as well so that they can continue um, channeling their creativity to meet your needs. And I had mentioned to you this before we started recording, but that like all of the different 
ways that you are of service to the world is all through creativity. And you're like, again, at the root of it when you're helping people through that birthing process and postpartum and then being able to channel that into something that's like tangible to share with the world. And I believe that it's not only like, um, it's also an energetic exchange to the newborn too. And like when that child is in utero, um, they're really like, being a sponge to all of that information. And if like, if the parents' needs aren't being met um, right after birth, like that can have long-term effects on even the child. And so I would love for you to, if you know some information about that, for you to share more. Absolutely. You are 100% spot on. I actually um, was reading an article. Oh my God, I love researching and I'm kind of just in that phase in general with with business building, but um, it really did talk about the imprinting that takes place, how a child is born, meaning if it is some sort of traumatic situation, you know, emergency C-section or mom's emotions are all over the place because she's not being respected or they're not being respected in that birthing space it literally has an energetic imprint negatively on the child which has long-term health implications for the child we also know that uh stressful pregnancies affect babies energetically emotionally there, um, and I, I don't know exactly in terms of referencing, you know, the research, please feel free to get those details on your own. But when a mother or a parent is stressed out during pregnancy, in utero, those stress hormones have an impact on the baby to the point where it can actually have neurological changes occur in the baby because of the hormonal space that that parent is in. So then when you think about hunger, arguing, home insecurity, how you know, housing insecurity, um, food deserts, all of these things, it's stressful. It doesn't matter if you've grown up in that environment your entire life. It just means that you're used to living and existing in a, in a space of high level stress that you actually should not be existing in. And so when we then look at the community impact of all of these children being born in these conditions from these stress hormone filled wombs, and they're like, I don't, I don't understand why it's like this and like that. And so one of our, um, our mission statements is strengthening families to strengthen communities because I absolutely understand the impact of making sure that a family has sound mental health support and meal support. Honey, that is not just about filling your belly and you sitting down, you know, telling someone how you feel today. That actually has long-term community positive effects. And that's been documented and proven, you know? And so it's very important to be mindful every step of the way. And not to put yourself in a state of worry or concern if you can't handle everything in this moment, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm messing up my child's life. But I do purpose to call people in to just be mindful. Pick one thing. If you know that you were in a stressful environment, one of the things I had to do with one of my pregnancies, I would intentionally breathe, do breathing exercises, meditation and visualization and honestly, it was really centered around uh, creating this visual bubble around my belly to kind of, in my head, I think it was like to protect her from what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I was intentionally acknowledging, like I was acknowledging and being intentional about doing this because I understood I was overstressed and I understood, oh my gosh, this is going to have a huge impact on my child. And then I intentionally did those de-stressing, you know, I used those tools 
those breathing, the meditation, the focus and the visualization, because I knew. Now, I did not have, you know, a whole bunch of power to change my entire outer circumstance at that moment. I didn't. And when I did have the power and the energy to do that, I did. But in that moment, and so I just did a little bit of what I could to help neutralize. And that's what I think is important to not say it's all or nothing. Do a little bit. If you can't eat three meals a day or you can't eat like super healthy, just try to make the healthiest choice from what it is that you, you have access to. If it's a choice between soda and water, just drink the water. If that's the healthiest choice you can make today, just drink the water, you know what I mean? Um, don't beat yourself up about things that you cannot change, but also be empowered to, to be intentional and make the changes that you can make. And I think it's so important to, to let people know, like you don't have to have the whole shebang together, but you are empowered to make those small choices every day that will slowly, slowly get you to that place where you need to be. And putting in that effort is what matters. And you'll be able to teach your child how to do that as well, which will then in turn help them be empowered and take charge over their life in small ways. And then that ripple just kind of grows on its own over time. Mm. Yes. There's actually a documentary called In Utero that talks about all of the subconscious programming that happens to us in that stage. Uh, and I love what you were just saying about like taking control over what you have control over. And the number one thing we have control over is our mind. And so I, I like that idea of like creating a field of protection around your womb and like even just expressing love to the baby, even if you maybe don't feel like that, utmost care in that moment but to like project that onto the baby because like you said it has a ripple effect into our communities like there's uh it's no coincidence that in communities of color they have higher sh levels of stress like us going through the process of shifting that in utero is like shifting generational trauma and implications of how we've been treated in this so-called healthcare world. Uh, and I would love for you to speak about one of the partnerships you have that actually addresses the mental health issues that families of color deal with. Yes, um, before I go into the partnership, what you mentioned, like I am all about epigenetics. So I told you I'm, I'm out here. Like <laughs> I've been studying epigenetics for years. Um, one of my favorite um, speakers and authors on the topic is um, Dr. Joy DeGray. I think I attended one of her lectures when my oldest daughter was probably like three or four. So that, that's about 15, 16 years ago. And I've been on it ever since. And it's been so crucial in my personal healing journey, as well as my holistic journey and my journey of conscious parenting epigenetics and understanding how generational trauma is passed down has been at the forefront of all of that healing for me. So I just want to like, listen, yes, like that is, that is my stuff. Okay. But I'm not going to get into it. I am a neuroscience junkie. I am epigenetics all day, but that's not what we're here for. So one of um, our more crucial partnerships is with the Therapist of Color Collaborative um, out of Colorado, Denver, in Aurora, Colorado. And it is so crucial to this mission to be in partnership with a collaborative like that because you literally have people that are able to provide you with culturally relevant mental health support. When you have someone that looks like you, even though your entire life experiences are not gonna be exactly in alignment, there's certain cultural nuances that we get, you know? We know where it's like, you know, what's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> like, we know that we can say these words four or five times. They have four or five different meanings. And the person <laughs> on the other end is gonna, if they understand and they're from where you're from, you're culturally, 
they understand like are we about to throw down or are we genuinely inquisitive with how you are doing and it takes that cultural understanding to to be able to meet people or else you're kind of stuck with someone you know giving you a blank face or being offended and now we've got to process through this whole level of offense and we can't even address the issue because now i just got to get down to explaining you know little things to you we can't even get down to the meat of this conversation and so with the therapists of color they have um black latinx indigenous asian american pacific um islander mental health therapists that are able to actually serve um families of color from various backgrounds and again it's important to note like just because you're a person of color does not also mean that you share the same cultural nuances. So be able, being able to connect with someone and being like, oh, okay. Like at the very least, if I'm talking about uh, family dynamics, it's highly likely that they're gonna have some understanding, even if their family dynamics are different, culturally, they're gonna understand these family dynamics. They're not gonna judge or label something as something it's not just because they don't understand the family dynamics of my culture. And so that is one um, partnership that we're looking to duplicate. There are some other mental health collaboratives that serve families of color that we're looking to partner with nationally. Um, but that is a key component to our service is to say, hey, listen, most of the time in, in uh, communities of color, mental health is like, we're not talking about it. It's a shame. We're getting better. And the conversation is is growing and I'm super excited about it. Um, but being able to connect to someone in a safe space that understands even that particular nuance is of the utmost importance because our goal is to have people get the support that they need, get the healing that they need in a safe place, a culturally relevant place. Um, we're not trying to throw you to the wolves and have someone further impact negatively your mental health just because they're gaslighting you the entire time like we're not interested mm -hmm. in that that's not the goal so that's one of our um our partnerships that we are super proud and excited about and being able to be that resource for families in that in that vulnerable season and likewise with the chefs um they are chefs of color but you know i, I want to be able to to eat some food that my palate is like, yes, like <laughs> I got some particular, you know, seasonings that, you know, I'm familiar with that, that feel good that say, yes, I am love, you know, because, mm -hmm. and I can speak from, you know, our American, um, indigenous, African-American experience. Food is love. We communicate with food. And just because now we can go out to the Thai spot and the Chinese spot and all of that, we all have memories of grandma's cooking or auntie's cooking or mama or daddy or unk, you know, grilling or whatever it is. Like we have such a strong connection to food in our memories. And one of the, the key components um, in my birth support is like, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. If you have a food or a fruit that you love, that is like basically a dopamine hit and releases all that oxytocin and makes you feel loved and good. Honey, let's let's bring that in. We don't, is it strawberries? <laughs> is it chocolate? We don't need to reinvent this wheel. And so similarly with um, Akioni Birth Foundation, I don't wanna reinvent the wheel. If you have meals or um, types of food that make you feel loved and supported because you have a, a neuro transmission already like connection to this food or this flavor, I don't want to reinvent it. I want to help keep producing that. I want those good hormones, those loving, connected, supporting hormones to be flowing in that postpartum season for you and your family. Yes, I, I think it's so important to have those culturally relevant recipes because as you were saying, like our our memories are really uh, ignited through like smell and taste and maybe just tasting a flavor that your family member made who is maybe an ancestor now or is just 
brings you back to an experiment experience you had where you felt like loved and cared and nurtured. Um, that's so important, but it's also beautiful that the chefs aren't dictating what they think the people need, that it's more of like this co-creation of like, these are my needs. How can you present this to me in a healthy way? Which is very different from a hospital who believes that they know what is best for (laughs) your nourishment. Um, And there's usually a lot of gaps within that. And um, speaking of hospital care or lack thereof, um, there's also a huge disparity in like deaths that occur during pregnancy. So black women are three times more likely to die from a pregnancy related issue than white women. And that there's generally higher birth and survival rates when a black doctor is offering care. And so I would love for you to talk about the partnership you have with Earth, which I believe is such an empowering tool for black women to have control over the quality of care that they receive. Yeah, so um, Earth is a platform that that allows folks to basically, it's like a Yelp of um, OBs, midwives, pediatricians, where people can really just share their birthing experiences. And that particular um, statistic that you shared, that includes that immediate postpartum period. And so a lot of times people are thinking that these Black maternal death rates are only like up until the baby is born. No, it includes that immediate postpartum season where uh, I was just speaking to a client, was it yesterday, who gave birth a little less than a month ago and she's got preeclampsia symptoms. And so I'm like, call the midwife. now because we're having strokes we're having blood clots we are dying also after we've given birth and we're not aware of what signs and and symptoms to look out for so that we can receive that postnatal care that we need and so when you're talking about four times as likely this goes back to the honor that i talked about if someone is being dismissive of you and they don't listen to you anything that you say is gonna be trivialized. Any pain, if someone is looking at you like you are a mule or a horse or an ox and you just have this like great capacity for pain, everything you say is gonna be diminished. Pain's not at a nine, you're not even crying. Excuse me, you don't get to tell me what my face looks like when I'm at a nine in pain. You get to address by nine in pain and ask me more questions so that we can get to the bottom of this. And so that is also the piece that is um, so many black women are met with is that we have this expectation of being the mule. We are expected to be the martyr, to carry the burden for everyone and we're expected to smile. So then when we actually express the pain and we haven't yet even gotten to the point of being vulnerable of you know, maybe shedding a tear about it, we're still smiling, but now we're just saying, hey, you know, uh, (laughs) this hurts. No, you're smiling, doesn't hurt enough. Excuse me? I've also been conditioned to carry these burdens, not complain about it, not talk about it, not communicate it. And now that I'm communicating it, you're dismissing it because of my demeanor. I don't think so. Tighten that up. And so what Earth is doing in terms of their platform and giving people a, a place to share their voice and experience is super key. Number one, they don't have to have their face to it. They can give a honest feedback with no pushback from whomever trying to dismiss them in the moment and really just have an opportunity to share their experiences. And why that's important for us as well is that, you know, as you're kind of coming through our pipeline of services, it's important that you feel like you have a say or that you can actually have a moment to digest what you just experienced. So if you're going through or you've just come through a traumatic birth experience and then you're like, oh, I'm just gonna go and and get some mental health support and some meals, you might not even have the capacity to be impacted 
as positively as you could by those experiences if you haven't even processed what you just went through. Now, of course, a uh, group therapy or one-on-one um, -on -one therapist can support you in that, but let's be real. If we're shut down, we, we're not receptive to some of the most beautiful things in life, right? We see that every day. You just don't have a capacity to be receptive. And so that is um, a piece of it there where it's like, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's assess, say, share, whatever it is. And now come on, get this, the support that you need um, as you're processing through, right? And so that's um, one of the important links there um, that we're excited about, just giving people an opportunity to have a voice, where families of color and Black people have not had an opportunity to even just share what they've experienced there. We are often silenced every single step of the way, and then we're blamed at the end of it, like, well, you should have said something, you should have did something. Um, excuse me. <laughs> All these things are in place for me to not do that. What are you talking about? And so... Um, I don't personally have that issue. I am very outspoken. Um, if you ask my mom, probably a little too much, but I'm very keen that um, not everyone is vocal about their needs. Not everyone is vocal about their pain. Um, not everyone feels that it's okay to be disappointed. And for the majority of us, we might be even just super comfortable with being invalidated that we think that that should actually be our consistent state of operation. And that's just not true. And so I don't want our families and our communities to be comfortable anymore with being invalidated. I don't want us to be comfortable with not being supported. I want our, our young children to look and see their parents being supported through this process so that they have a set expectation of what it should look like when they go through it and when they have that experience as they grow. And so um, giving voice to people, providing them with support, encouraging them to lean into mental health support. Um, it doesn't have to, you know, we're providing group therapy. It does not have to look like you know, this one-on-one, -on -one, I'm laying across the couch. It is, the goal is really for it to be very circular, very community. Let's share together. Let's help one another. This is not um, a therapist lording over you and telling you what to do. I feel like our community also houses tons of the solutions we need. So when we get people in community and we're in that circular space and we're sharing, Lots of resources and healing can take place and lots of wisdom gets to come out from each of those community members as well. And it can have an opportunity to kind of bounce off and help whoever it can help in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see the Therapist Collective as more of like a peer-to-peer -peer support and really even the chefs too. Um, and the fact that they're coming from that lived experience makes it so much more easier for them to just relate instead of having pity upon the person or telling them what they think they need to hear. Um, and same for doctors of color. Like they're probably the ones that are able to give better care because Sometimes they may know what the person's going through just like on an energetic level without them even having to talk about it um, because they're so used to being silenced and like not being heard or valued. So or they've seen like their mothers or themselves go through the same thing in the process. Um, I actually and had a black OB and a black midwife um, deliver uh, my children and my, uh, black OB was a woman. She delivered my two daughters and then I had a black midwife. Um, our children went to school together and she, um, was my midwife for my son. And I got to tell you exactly what you just said, their ability. Um, they were both mothers as well to understand where I was coming from. 
I was not dismissed. I was able to be vulnerable. I was able to share things and know that they understood where I was coming from. Um, I was even able to just connect differently. I mean, me and my, my OB, we used to joke around and bet both of my daughters were born on their due dates. And she'd be like, there's no way you know that. I'm like, um, yes. And we, but we were able to actually like connect and have like a lighter, more carefree relationship because those other barriers to care and support weren't there. It was just a black woman supporting a black woman. When it came down to business and talking about details, of course we got into it, but I trusted her mm. and I was able to actually build relationship with her. And, um, by chance, it was just last year, I actually ran into her supporting a, a client of mine at the hospital. I hadn't seen her in, I don't know, 12 years, um, but it was this beautiful circular moment and we just kind of hugged and caught up. But that also shows you like, if you ran into your OB and he was a white man, but you saw him out in the grocery store would you, oh my God, talked or something and be like, hey, like outside of the room, we don't talk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, if we're not relating in this way, you don't get to, you know, come up to me. But that that was not present there because again, we were able to, to build a connection over those years of support. And so when we ran into each other in another season, it was still that connection there because of what was established originally. Mm, that's, yeah, and it's that app also helps to um, build that trust before you even meet with the doctor because you're already vetting them. You might know somebody that have that's had a personal experience with them, and to me, that's also care because that's showing the woman that like they are honored, their opinion is valued. And it's also for a way for them to pay it forward in care for mothers that will come after them and for them to have a better, smoother experience through their pregnancy and postpartum. Um, so all of these services that Okiono offers are completely free. So how are you financially sustained? Right now, we are looking for, we're consistently applying to grants. Um, we do have some sponsorships that are coming through with other strategic partners and other companies, and really just depending on the fundraising of the community. Um, I'm actually not, I'm pouring a lot more uh, time and energy and effort right now into the app because that is a paid service and then funneling the money over <laughs> to the nonprofit um, because that grant life is is crazy. It's insane. And so um, one of the decisions I had to make was like, okay, so we have Akionu app, which is a for-profit aspect, which connects um, families of color to postpartum professionals, mental health therapists, and chefs. And so having that come in, building that from the ground up, and then funneling um, also so that we can like self-fund this because one of the things that has come up consistently in our, our grant process is uh, the grant providers not understanding the nuances and differences between prenatal and perinatal support, which was interesting. That was some interesting feedback. And so right now you're seeing a lot of organizations that are providing pregnancy support and doulas and all of this magnificent stuff to the community. And then they're like, oh, we're good. We're covered. And I'm like, well, we're coming in with postpartum support. They're like, the postpartum is pregnancy. We're like, no, 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 no. So there's also <laughs> an education um, of sorts that's also taking place in that space. And so that's been some interesting um, feedback, but we are consistently um, accepting donations on our open collective platform. I love open collective. It keeps things um, very transparent. Um, and as our fiscal sponsor, it helps keep us just kind of be on the ground. Um, one of the other components that we're gonna be introducing, which I haven't um, announced yet, I guess it's exclusive, exclusive. Um, we're going to be 
see, but you understood what I meant. <laughs> totally. All these examples. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're going to be doing also um, another way of raising funding for the nonprofit is I'm actually going to be doing some traditional postpartum doula trainings through the nonprofit. And so I'm going to be connecting with other um, community organizations um, to train community members and how to traditionally support, prepare food, meals, honor our postpartum families. And that will also be one of our new sources um, of income to fund the services that we're providing for families. So I'm super excited about that. I am a certified traditional postpartum doula with uh, an organization called uh, the NASA School Project, which is through Layla B. She's a Moroccan um, doula, but a lot of their practices, their indigenous practices are very similar to indigenous practices, including African and African-American practices around the world. And so uh, recently got certified as a teacher trainer through that particular um organization. And so I'll be using that certification as a teacher to um, to train our community members in postpartum support. And so I guess the goal is eventually to go out of business, right? Like we should be training up people in the community to how to support one another to the point that, you know, we're starting that ripple. Yes. So in three generations, my, my hope and my prayer is that, you know, what I'm building will be obsolete because the impact has been made to change the landscape, the mindset, and the the understanding of postpartum moving forward. So my goal is to put myself out of business in three generations, and that will have, you know, an expectation of care that, that carries on. Mm, it will happen. Yes, when care is just like embedded into the design of our communities. And Also, how can families receive the offerings that Okiono shares? What's the process for them? And has it expanded beyond Denver yet? It has. It has expanded beyond Denver. Um, They can go to www.akionubirthfoundation.org. There is an apply button. It's a super simple form. You're just filling out, you know, general demographic information. Um, It is going to ask you um, through the foundation, it's for low income families of color. But in this season, in the world that we're in, most of us are going to qualify in this season. And so, um, but it will ask you that information. And so once you just plug in your name, your address, your, your income information, and we get back to you and get some information about your due date and, and where you live and, and connecting you with the therapists or the chefs so that you can begin your intake process and go from there. But really it's a very simple um, intake form. The only qualification that we're really um, checking is going to be around the income standards because we do know that um, any issue that our society is facing is exacerbated for low-income families. And so we really want to support them. And in terms of um, if you're not qualifying as a low-income family, then you can head over to Akionu app and that's where you can, you know, pay for all the same services um, and connect with even more postpartum professionals and and still receive that care, just not for free. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, just head on over to um, www.akionubirthfoundation.org. Um, that is our website, quick application there. Um, if folks are looking to donate, they can donate from there or they can head over to Open Collective and look up Akionu Birth Foundation. And um, Akionu is O-K-I-O-N-U. It means wise, intuitive, and thoughtful. So we want to provide wise, intuitive, and thoughtful postpartum care. That's so beautiful. And I love that people can plug in at any stage, um, whether it's Um, to receive care in a free way or to redistribute their wealth to still receive care but then that be that's channeled into people 
that don't have the same monetary capacity. So um, one of the visions that I was listening to you speak about was eventually having centers. Um, and, oh, wait, before, I, before that, where are the other places people can receive care other than Denver? They can receive care in Maryland and in Texas. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Now, the Akeonu app, though, that is that is a national platform. So if they're able to pay for services, they can they can receive services nationally. But in terms of rolling out and having um, our strategic partners and where they're licensed and servicing from, it's Colorado, Maryland, and Texas right now. Okay. Perfect. Um, yes. I really see these networks all over the country. I can't wait to see it expand. And yeah, as I was mentioning, I was listening to you talk about eventually having centers. Um, and this is a vision that I had some years ago too, but for mothers throughout or like in the last few months of their pregnancy to be able to go to this like retreat center and nature and it would be like an intergenerational exchange so elders would actually be there to give them care and give them knowledge especially for new mothers um but i would love to know about what your vision is and it doesn't have to just be limited to the centers but like how do you envision the future of prenatal and postpartum care especially in communities of color. And that could include what your dream center would look like too. Yeah, so Lord, the visions that I have. I'll start with, um, so initially what I was probably talking about was um, like a bed and breakfast for postpartum families. That's the best way to explain it. A place where you come and you are nothing but nourished and supported. You don't have to do a single thing, but worry about you and your baby. At this particular, as I see it, I see lots of land. I see spaces where we are growing fresh fruits and vegetables that you will be served. We're growing organic herbs. We have um, walking gardens for you to slowly ease back into movement. We have chefs on staff that are there preparing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if you so choose, as well as tea throughout the day, warming tea, warming soups, warming foods that are filled with the spices that your body needs to heal. Um, at the Akionu uh, bed and breakfast, there would also be on staff the postpartum professionals that provide the traditional Moroccan uh, services that I talked about. So we're talking about hammam steam rooms. I don't know if you've ever been like to a bathhouse and been in the steam room. Oh God, honey, it's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. So steaming, getting scrubbed down with the gasol clay and the henna and just having this detoxifying bath. Again, you're not doing anything but receiving and being honored. Um, Closing of the bones, which is another practice that we do to help your body get into realignment, being massaged with olive oil to help that circulation in your body get, you know, refreshed and revived to make sure that you're healthy and things are making their way back to where they belong. And so having all of these um, services provided at this bed and breakfast, having opportunity for community trainings having other classes, whether it be like having herbalists come in and kind of teach folks how to make their own um, tinctures or skincare for their babies. Like that's my jam too. Like I make all, you know, I'm into making all my stuff homemade as well. Um, and that's another thing. We need more information. We need safe places to learn. Um, another topic that's been coming up a lot in community has been around um, very toxic like baby products, um, toxic feminine products. When we're looking at a lot of these challenges that black women are facing, um, a lot of them are tied to these products. 
Johnson & Johnson, Bath & Body, all these endocrine disruptors. And to be able to have a safe space where you can learn about how that impacts your body and not just be told, oh, it's bad for you, ah, but to have a place where you can then sit and make your own and choose your essential oils and blends and make your own body oils and your own lotions and your own hair care and skincare in a loving, um, informative space. That's also my dream, starting with like young girls, like before you even get your cycle, you need to know what's healthy for your body to go in it and to go on it and that you have a place to, to mix it up. So maybe there'll be a little lab in there for the, <laughs> for the community to, to mix and match their and make their, their hair care and their skincare. But that's my vision, like from infancy to elderhood, like having the mamas come. And if you just want to chill and you're in that season of life and you just ain't got nothing else to do, you want to come hang out, come on, come get that steam. I'm about honoring folks from the beginning to the end. Um, and I've had some amazing opportunities to, to even be with my grandparents, my mother, both of her parents, um, literally as they were transitioning. And it was a phenomenal experience. And it was very similar to supporting folks in birth. And so there is no, there is no season of life that I feel is, is able to just be discarded. I believe that you should be honored every single step of the way from a baby, honor that baby, take care of that baby, love that baby, feed that baby, all the way through that moment um, where your soul is actually leaving its body, which I've been privileged and honored to experience um, seeing that and, and being present for that. And um, yeah, there's an honor that needs to take place when that's happening. And so my goal is to provide a building on lots of land, I love land, that um, that allows that to happen for people in whatever way that they need. Oh, Jacqueline, oh, that is so beautiful and dreamy. Like I was brought into that space when you explained all of those things. It was just like a full body sensory experience that really everybody should be receiving and something that should be normalized. And I love that you talked about like instilling this information as young as possible, like that embedding the information of care and how important it is. Because again, like that foundation of care is what we're able to um, transmute into energy that we can create with. And even in that last stage of our lives, um, even supporting people through that end of life, they're, they're transmuting that energy into creation again. So it's all just this full circle of creation and everything that you're doing to support it is so, so integral and listening to you speak about your dreams just gave me chills and I felt like you were just casting a spell for that to happen and it's gonna happen. You know what, it, it will happen. And um, like I said, you use the word um, integral and that is like, that's my life. I don't believe in compartmentalization um, at all. And so, you know, it's, it's you know, people want to, oh, you're, it's birth work. You're just this, you're just that. And I'm like, like I told you, this is my life. I'm walking it out in this way every single day. And I don't have a vision and I don't have a moment where it's just centered on, you know, this moment, like whether it's impact, whether it's services or whether it's this, this beautiful space that uh, will come to fruition soon it's all integral and it's for everyone. And the impact is also integral. It's not just for that particular service or that particular person. It's, I'm huge on ripples. And um, sometimes I'll just be like, mind your ripple, like is what I'm saying in this moment, what's the ripple of this? What am I doing in this moment? What's the ripple of this? And just being mindful of my ripples. Um, and the same thing goes for business. Like I'm gonna mind my ripple. Yes, 
every single thing that we do that we think has an effect on our past present and future and so we need to be super intentional about all of that thank you so much Jacqueline for sharing your time and energy and wisdom you are doing such special work you are so special Thank you. No, this was an honor. I'm so grateful for this conversation. And no, thank you for the opportunity to just share, like you said, being able to to speak it out and and to put it out there and to share what we're doing and and keep the party going. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And, you know, with Cooperative Journal and Cooperative Media and just the things that you shared about what you're doing and the intentionality of making sure that Um, everyone can understand and digest I think is so beautiful so um, keep doing what you're doing too like we're all in this together we all have a piece of the puzzle right (laughs) to make the whole picture so thank you I appreciate you this podcast runs off of labors of love there are many ways you can be in reciprocity with us if you are or know of a collective model that aligns let's connect so we can spotlight the story Share episodes, especially with your friends and family who aren't aware of collective models but are unfulfilled with this economy. You can also visit our Open Collective Foundation page in the show notes for ways to gift us in time or money. With your support, we can continue archiving the stories that aren't being elevated but are necessary for our collective elevation.